Yeah. Welcome back yeah, to New York Sport of Mind. My name is Bruno Saracino, alongside my co-host. Happy Papsel. And Austin Tanner. Boys, what a week of sports in New York. Specifically one team over, over another, unfortunately, but what a That's week. That's for sure. That's for sure. It was, uh, it was Heartbreak Hotel and uh, an amazing weekend for, for the Yankees and being a Yankees fan. Yeah, it was just, I think, overall, just, isn't it fun, like, when you're chasing, I mean, you're coming from behind, you know, usually as a Yankee, as Yankees fans, we're, you know, we're always in the lead or we're first in the division or whatever, and I, I just love the fact that we're chasing and we're in a hunt of where we got to be playing our best baseball at the right time, because a lot of times they, co- they sometimes can coast into the postseason or can kind of be a little flat in the playoffs. You know, this time they, they, they're in playoff mode right now. And I think that could hopefully making the playoffs, you know, and and make a run, you know, and see if the pieces can come together at the right time. You know what it kind of reminds me of is these games, like you said, they're they're in playoff baseball mode. These games almost carry similar weight to NFL games now because each game is so critical and each win or each loss is so important to the final outcome and who's going to make the playoffs in the AL. That's true. That's, it's kind of like, uh, you see Seattle creeping in, you know, so it's, you know, we were just talking here before we started recording and then it was, uh, you know, Seattle's got a shot. I might, I might watch that game tonight, <laughs> you know, and it's, but, you know, I think, you know, the Yankees got a tough road ahead. Toronto obviously starting, um, three, three games and then, finishing with Tampa, it's it's just going to be a, a tough – it's, it's going to be a big test, and I think they can do it. Um, but they got to play some good baseball. It's going to be – it's going to be a challenge. I have a, I have a question. Can we uh, just discuss the Giants so we can get it out of the way and my, my heartbreak can be over? We don't have to let it linger throughout the episode. I think that's fair for everyone and everyone listening. Yeah, let's get it. Yep. Pour your heart out. So this, this week – it was the make-or-break week in my mind. I know it's only week three, but you lose to the Falcons, go down 0-3. This, it it can't happen. The Falcons, they're the Falcons. I mean, I guess you could say the same for the Giants at this point, though. The Giants are just the Giants. But, you know, I, I was expecting the Giants to go out there, win a game, something like 34 to 17, you know, make – make a big statement game. And that's, that's not what happened, obviously, if you saw the game, but the giants, you know, they, they just looked flat in, in a lot of aspects of the game looked like they gave a lot of opportunities away. You know, they, so their first two scoring drives, they looked great. You know, they, they had 11 plays, 73 yards in the first field goal, or I'm sorry, in the first quarter for a field goal. And then the, the second scoring drive was 15 plays also 73 yards. Uh, with seven minutes and eight minutes and 13 seconds left in the, in the second quarter. So they, you know, they take, they take a six, nothing lead. And, you know, it's, it's not ideal at that time in the game, but you got eight minutes left in the second and your team's up six, nothing, but it's, it's like we discussed last week. I'd really like them to start being a little more aggressive when it comes to the red zone offense. Two field goals, two field goals in the first was at 15, just under the first 22 minutes of the game. And it's just like, I feel like they, they don't, 
like aggressive is the right word, obviously, but you know, I think they just don't they play for the field goal, and, and that's like the one bright spot for the for the Giants is their their kicking game. You know, Graham Gano, man, he's gonna hopefully he'll break the record, thirty seven consecutive, right? I think the, it's, the record uh, the record is Adam Vinatieri with forty four. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Yep. Look at us, look at us doing our research, Matthew. I love it. We were on top, and um, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's that's brutal <laughs> stat right there. I just I wasn't sure if you had the record down. Yeah, thirty seven. It's in a row, incredible. So. Like that's that's my that's what I'm looking forward to now for the Giants. I think that sums up how I feel right now about the Giants. Um, although I do, I do like I am very pleased with Daniel Jones. Honestly, my tune is a little bit different, man. It really is. He's such a. He's so. He's putting up numbers, you know, but it's just not translating into, you know, points. It's translating into field goals. He didn't have any touchdowns in, in this game. Um, he uh, another turnoverless game. Yeah, another turn. I mean, a, a clean game, right? But the Giants are averaging twenty-one points a game, and that's not, you know, and and that's three times, you know, three times seven. That's twenty-one points. That's seven field goals. No, no touchdowns. All those all those points are field goals because that's what the, all the Giants do. Um, but it's it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating to watch. Um, I'm not pleased with it. I'm gonna be be hopeful that we can you know see if we can put up a good a good game against the Saints. But you look at the defense, man. It's just we can't put up points and we we give up we give up what 20, 28 points a game. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, so it's and it seems so easy. Looks like they, it's just so easy to do, and it's uh, it's tough. You can't win games like that. No, I agree, and and I I got to stop being so positive. Everyone I everyone I talk to, and I continue to stay positive with about the Yankee or I'm sorry about the Giants. Just we'll be positive in life, yes, but not not about. I mean, yeah, I, I get, it. I got, and you know what? I don't want that to rub off on you. My negativity last week, but. Continuing I mean, yes, to have faith, continuing to have faith in the Giants makes I'm me feel the positive. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, you got you got improvement in areas, but then you just have fall off in areas last year that were strengths. Like they're they're pretty much their entire defense. Yeah. So it's I, I I can't I can't keep backing them. I can't keep defending them. I can't keep saying, oh, if this, if that, uh, what ifs. You know, I you can't do that anymore. You got to just say this is who they are. They're a team that cannot score touchdowns, who cannot put teams away who suffers in the red zone and allows dumb mental errors for other teams to take advantage of. And then they go on and make the plays that ends up winning the game. So I just, I'll breeze through um, from where we left off. So there was, it was six, nothing with eight thirteen left in the second, just a couple back and forth possessions uh, for the third week in a row, allow the Falcons in the two minute drill to walk down and score with a minute 13 left in the game. That is three weeks in a row, right before half, the Giants have allowed their opponents to put up points. So they go down seven, six in the third quarter. They had a nice little drive going and Evan Ingram, I'm sorry, this is still in the second quarter. They get the ball back after the touchdown and the first play from scrimmage, Evan Ingram has a fumble with a minute five left in the first half. And fortunately, uh, Ojolari steps up and has a strip fumble on Matt Ryan with seven, sex, seven seconds left in the half that allows them to go into halftime down seven six. And that first that first half really hurt. They lost their middle linebacker Blake Martinez for the year. 
due to a torn ACL. He's the heart and soul of that defense. I mean, hands down the best linebacker in that group. And he just, he's the leader. He's, he's the Daniel Jones of the defense. So losing him, if they were in a good spot, I would be extremely concerned, but they're not in a good spot. So even more so. And then Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both have hamstring injuries. But I was happy with the production of the other guys, you know, Kenny Galladay, four receptions for 64 yards, and Colin Johnson stepped in with five receptions for 51 yards, which is an average of 10.2 for Johnson and 16 for Galladay. So they're getting production out of the, the guys who stepped in. But you know, the third quarter is rolling through and no points in the third quarter. The Giants have the ball with 3.03 left in the third quarter, make another great drive, 71-yard drive. They're mixing in run pass options, play action. Uh, they're setting up screens for Barkley. I just love the way that that drive went. And it was a total of five minutes and 10 seconds. And they go down. And this was when Barkley jumps in the end zone for the touchdown. And Jones ends up doing a little design rollout, gets hit at the four-yard line, runs the guy over pretty much, and then rolls into the end zone for the two-point conversion to go up. 14-7. So the game's going on. We got 14-7 Giants. Falcons are pushing down the field. And you got 5-0-1 left in the game. Matt Ryan throws the ball in the end zone directly off the hands of Giants cornerback Adore Jackson. That's that's the game. Those are the plays I'm talking about. You're up seven, you're up 14-7. You're the team's pushing. They're in the red zone. Matt Ryan makes a stupid throw to the back of the end zone. You would have thought it was his player that he was throwing it to. It was directly the away. Right there. Right, Put the game away. Right off his hand. 501 left. Now you got the ball. You're up seven, and you could waste more clock and potentially go down and score and put the game away. But that's not what they do. Next play, pass to interference. The following play after that, first and goal for the Falcons, touchdown. So now you got seven or 14 14. Giants are moving the ball down the field, and they just can't continue to get down into a scoring situation. And they're forced to punt with under two minutes left in the first play from scrimmage, Cordell Patterson, a screen, and he pushes the ball over, over midfield. So a few more plays, gets them down to the 20 yard line and the rest is history field goal to win the game. Zero seconds left on the clock. Falcons win 17, 14. That's I my breakdown. Hear, I did hear a positive out of, out of all of that. I mean, yeah, obviously devastating game, but Saquon Barkley's finally on the board with a touchdown. That is true. That's got to get his confidence up for sure. You would hope that, was, that, was a nice, that was a nice drive. Like, that's using your weapons and trying to get him out, like I said, in screens, outside of the tackles, get him out in the open field. I mean, he's still not putting up – I mean, he got a touchdown, but, man, he's 16 carries, 51 yards. I mean, he had a good six reception, 43 yards. So, I mean, production, you know, his all-purpose yards, as they say, right? That's what we, you know, he's – this was a better sign, you know, better, better look on that. But the yards is not translating to points. So, yeah, that's all-purpose all purpose is receiving, rushing, punt, and kick return. But obviously he would just be getting the receiving and the – so total yards, all-purpose yards, either one works. But, yeah, and like you said, Bruno, look, look when he succeeds. When you get him the ball in space – when you set him up on a screen, when you set him up on dump passes, he only the only big plays he had were those open space plays, and you've been saying it for three weeks. Yeah. 
It's like the play I would do every single time I'm Madden. I mean, I haven't played Madden in like eight years, but like you know, that, that would be the glitch play, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get him out in the open field, let him spin. But uh, let him, let him do his thing out in the open field. But yep. yeah, man, that's that's. I mean, Daniel Jones and Barkley, they they seem uh, like they want to level up. I, I just don't think the uh, coaching staff wants to be as aggressive as they want in terms of play calling and getting the balls and getting the ball in the right people's hands, you know, and letting Daniel Jones do some stuff. I'm not in full tank mode yet, but I, I tell you, I'm damn close. You know who I think, you know who I think would have a really interesting take on the Giants season so far? Who's that? Who might that be? Uh, New York Giants franchise all-time leading rusher, Tiki Barber. For those oh, other who don't know, uh, Tiki Barber was in Binghamton this week. He was the uh, uh, keynote speaker at the Greater Binghamton Hall of Fame. And uh, thankfully, we have some audio from a brief interview that he did. And he sort of just gives his thoughts on the current state of the team. And for those of you who don't know, that is Austin... Uh, Bruno and my hometown. This has been a really tough year for the Giants. I, I'm not going to say they're a bad team because I don't think they're bad. The talent's too good, but they're finding ways to lose, and uh, that's what's frustrating. But it also could be encouraging if you think about how they've, they've been in games, which is something we haven't seen consistently for uh, three or four years now. Um, I think the coaching staff is right. I think the talent is right. It's just a matter of getting the culture on game day right. I think it's fine during the week, but on game day, it was a different mindset in order to be a winner. He, he said he was, he said he was hopeful on the giants. I mean, at this point, what are you going to say? You know, <laughs> you gotta be, I mean, it, it, it seems like they should be good. Well, well one of the, one of the things not. I liked about what Tiggy said, um, and, uh, was that they're just not the winning, the winning culture during, it's a good culture during the week you know, practice and things, but in game day, it's just not winning culture. And I have, I have to agree. I mean, he kind of summed it up in the way where I, I couldn't even explain it myself, but he kind of summed it up, you know, and I think uh, that's something for me that just, it's like they tighten up on game day when, when the lights are on, the cameras are on, you know, they can have great practices and execute and be run their drills the right way, you know, execute the game plan, prep in the right way, you know, all that stuff, but like when it comes down to the game time, this doesn't translate into points, you know. And in, in, in three games, averaging twenty-one points, this isn't going to be a season where you're not going to win games. And of course, that's why they're not winning games. And um, but two games in a, you know two games where they were a game-winning field goal—that's that's how they lost, right? So the, the, keep in mind these games are fifty-fifty in my opinion. These last two games, you know. They had opportunities on both, you know, to win the, both games and they didn't do it. So that's one thing I'm trying to think of the pot. I'm trying to grasp some sort of positivity out of the, out of the game and that they, they were competitive in both games and they had opportunities to win them. They just couldn't, they couldn't close them out. And that's, that's kind of the story of the giants in recent years. Yeah. And he also, says, go ahead, Austin. No, 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 you're good. Go, go for it. I was going to say, he, he says, do I want like, do I think this team is bad? No, the talent's too good. And you know, you know, what gets you trips to the playoffs wins. Do you know what talent gets you a seat on your couch, watching other teams who get wins play in the playoffs. And at this rate, I, I don't see any way that the giants can turn this season around 
unless they flip completely next week and they turn into a different team and they start playing a little more aggressive and the, the play calling is correct for the time period in the game. I don't see it happening. And I, I don't want to be a negative because I, I like to always try to be positive and pick positives, but you know, three major injuries and another brutal loss at the very end of the game. Yeah. Also, uh, I know Bruno loves making bold predictions. Uh, Tiki also made a bold prediction uh, during a part of the interview where he said who he thinks is going to go to the Super Bowl this year. And he thinks that there's going to be a Super Bowl 37 rematch. He thinks it's going to be Bucks Chiefs. Not the Chiefs crazy. playing the way they are right now. But yeah. They're kind of playing half asleep right now, but they'll, they'll wake up. They'll wake up. Yeah, so oh, speaking of the Chiefs and losing, did you guys see that Chiefs-Ravens uh, game, how that ended? Last second field goal. Oh, Justin yeah. Tucker. Oh, yeah. Justin Tucker set the all-time longest field goal on a game-winning field goal, 66 yards, off the crossbar, hops over, game over. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, that was a great kick. It's 66. It's not like it was just one yard more than the record, you know, because anyone could do that, right? But 66, that's just – yeah, I'm, I'm going to spread it out a little bit. You know, That's obnoxious. So it's – And you could tell impressive. watching the replay – like I watched it over and over and over again. He put his entire body and, and more into that kick too. Like it wasn't like he was just going out there just kicking a little 20-yarder. He was in it. He was in for that shit, and it was great. And it's a full-body thing. Like, you know, knowing you know, someone like myself who's not really on the athletic side anymore, I would – try to use all my leg but he's probably got the the mechanics and everything down where the 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 body and everything's in sync and man he probably had a great time that night he probably had a good time i saw (laughs) that man man, that's man i would have been pumped speaking of using his whole body i saw the freeze frame of like probably a half second after contact was made with the football and he looked like an mlb baseball player swinging out of his shoes he's literally his, his ankles rolled over all of his weights being thrown forward. It was, it was a great picture. My favorite thing from that was, um, I mean, like the hours and like the day after there was just so many videos and stuff from like people like at the games of just like getting everyone's reactions and everyone, like, especially on the other side of the, of the, the goalpost, when they saw it hit it, everyone's like, Oh, it didn't go through. It didn't go through. Yeah. Right. And then, and then they're like, Oh wait, it went through. Great, thanks. Hey, I'll tell you, just really quickly back on the Giants, if I can bring any positive out of this week, at least Washington and Philly lost. Yeah, because the Cowboys, to be honest, they look good. They look pretty good. Um, right now they're playing well, but there's always that time of the year where they're going to be the Cowboys. So I'm, I'm just hoping that happens. If it doesn't happen, then good for the Cowboys, but I still don't see them, you know, doing much, but uh, – we see them in a couple of weeks, right? So that'll be a that'll be a, hopefully a, a game where we will have a win by then. But yeah, let's let's move on to extremely positive things and let's talk about our New York Yankees, boys. Guys, I mean, I, a question I have for you guys: like, how did how did you feel watching the games this weekend? I, I think it was just really it was just I felt joy, obviously. Sunday night just was a great capper. I I, I just 
it's crazy. And I'm just, I'm just curious how you guys felt, how, how it, the experience, where were you when it happened, all that, all this stuff. I want, I want, I want details. See, Friday night, uh, I was at work. So unfortunately I wasn't watching a lot of it, but I caught the last two innings, which if anyone knows, like that's all you needed to watch was the last two innings oh. to get the story. Um, I mean, and then Saturday, watched a little bit because, um, again, I was at work. And then Sunday, I was out by the time that game happened. And, I mean, Sunday was just the game of of, of the weekend, I think, in, in my opinion. It was a great game. It's a great the, game. But the weekend as a whole was just, I mean, Saturday, something else. I'm sorry, Friday, Friday was awesome. That 8-3 win, Cole, another gem, goes out, throws six innings. Uh, I guess I, I guess you can't call it a gem, but he had five hits and three earned runs, but all three of those runs came off of one hit from Rafi Devers, who creeped over the right field wall, and and he they scored three runs on him there. But really, other than that, I mean, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts in six innings. I mean, I will take that all day as long as the Yankees are hitting the way they've been hitting. I think that's one thing. I think it's uh, they're they're they're, they're playing. They're they're hunting right now. So oftentimes they're the hunted. The Yankees are always the evil empire, right? And now they're in a position where they they it's forcing themselves to play baseball, play at, the, at a high level, and you know, staying. And I, obviously, this is you know, this is you know, made me think. Oh, okay, I can see why someone would want to pay him what he's getting paid, or would give him a contract like he got, right? So. It's crazy, like his his how he's. I, I love his adversity because he was getting booed, you know, in previous seasons. This is his season to really kind of show that, you know, he's gonna step up. He's he's leading the team right now, you know. And I think Judge is having a great season as well. But Stanton's having the moments and the big the big uh, the big moments. That's especially in this Boston series. Just a, a, a this is gonna be a, a series that we remember because of the moments that Stanton had and. To be one of those great uh, rivalry moments, and just kind of give you guys some context in terms of how how good Stanton's been. Forty eight games since August third. He's eighteen homers, forty seven RBIs, three twenty batting average. It's it's just crazy the numbers he's putting up. And he had what 10, 10 RBIs and three home runs in this series. And no Yankees had ne- ever done that against Boston in three games in three game series. So this guy's doing some some things, and if he can carry it and elevate everyone else in the process and everyone's healthy and clicking at the right time. And this could be, you know, my expectations are kind of low, you know, because Tampa's a pretty damn good team. So, but I would love to see them play Tampa. I would love to see them play Chicago in, 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 a, in a series. So those are, I just want to see some great October baseball, not just for the Yankees, but overall. And I feel like the Yankees have a shot. They can keep this up. Just, just to piggyback off those stats, I you said ten RBIs and three home runs. He was the first player to do that at Fenway Park. Oh my goodness, even better. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So, and just to kind of piggyback off you, I mean, I'll just run through his his uh, stats for the weekend versus Boston. He went two for four, or I'm sorry, we'll start on Friday. Three for five with one run scored, four RBIs, and that was um. Uh, did he have Friday? That was the three three home run night. Saturday, two for three, one run, one rock, one walk, four RBIs. That was the grand slam night. And then Sunday, two for four, one run, 
two RBIs, two run home run. So seven for 12, three runs, 10 RBIs, three home runs. I mean, that Sunday hit, man, that home run, that was just like, wow. That shit was, oh my God. And, and to carry, to carry on, I mean, everyone, everyone gives him grief. I mean, I know he's been injured, but when that guy is healthy, he is absolutely amazing. You got to think lifetime at Fenway, since joining the Yankees at Fenway, he's batting 395, 91 plate appearances. He has seven doubles, one triple, five home runs, and 20, 21 RBIs with the highest OPS of any player. Yeah. I mean, going into the Boston series, he had, he had 83 RBIs. He has 93 now. Like, beginning in the series, I would never thought he would be able to potentially get 100 RBIs in a season. Now he's only seven away. And he's got 34 home runs, so I'm not saying he's going to hit 40 home runs, but maybe he finished just the season at 35 home runs and 100 RBIs. That's that's solid. That's solid in this, in this for someone who plays 110 games a season, you know? It's not, yeah. not too shabby. Yeah, we, we record every Tuesday, and the podcast is released every Wednesday. And since then, the Yankees went 5-0. and They won two versus the Rangers and three versus the, the last two of the series versus the Rangers and three versus the Red Sox. The Blue Jays went 3-3, three and three, and the Red Sox went 2-3. Two, two and three. So that's that's just picking up games on the on the wild card field, and, and I love to see it. And right now they're they're up three two, bottom six. So at the time of this, against the Blue Jays, that's a it's a good sign. You know they're in Toronto, so these are these are th- these are uh, some games where, man, they can knock Toronto right out. Bye bye Toronto. You had a you had a good run. This is they're playing well, man. I'm, they're playing well. I'm I'm very pleased with how they're playing. You know, and damn, you see ju- judge emotion on that that double that he had. On Sunday, he never gets too emotional. You know, he's he's more stoic like a Derek Jeter, not at that level, but of a talent, but certainly is that stoic presence. And he was he was pumped, man. That got me going. When you see people that get get out of their shell a little bit and have a little extra emotion, it's like or get you know like get pumped up in a moment where it was meaningful, which that was. That's what I want to see, man. That's like that's the stuff that rubs off on other other teammates and it gets contagious in a positive way. And that's, that's the, that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what we're seeing right now, you know, in this, you know, they're up three, two. So hopefully they can just keep this, keep this train rolling. Especially because that's not normally his demeanor either. He doesn't show emotion. He just right. does what he does and, and goes back to the dugout. So, yeah, I, I agree. That was awesome to see. Seeing him got excited made me twice as excited as I already was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I, I love I love to see guys that normally don't show it get excited. Show us how much it means. You know, obviously it means a lot to all these guys. You know, everyone wants to win, but to see it to to see his emotion finally pop out is it's great to see. Right. Right. And you guys seen if, the oh no, go on. Go on I was just gonna say if the Yankees sweep the Blue Jays, they're automatically in. I just well, looked at the go. map. So if they sweep, they automatically have at least a spot in the wild card. I want them to have a one game. That one game, I want it to be in Yankee Stadium. I want that place rocking. Playoff baseball in New York in, in in Yankee Stadium. It's incredible, and I can't wait. I can't wait for October baseball, man. It's really like one of my favorite times of the year. You know, the seasons are changing. Holidays one week, around the corner. Oh. One week from today. One week from today is the AL wild card game. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to have to figure something out since we record on Tuesday, and that's going to be a Tuesday game. We're going to have to figure something out. You know what? Maybe we do a, uh, a little podcast reaction after the game. I love it. Yeah. I'm not against that whatsoever. That could be a little, you know, 20, 30-minute recap. That's you know, something we might be able to do. That could be the week, the podcast for the week, and then, you know, maybe, maybe that's what we do. Have you guys seen the um... – it came out Sunday night. Like it's been over like Reddit and Twitter. Um, it's the possibility of a five-way tie for the AL wildcard spot. Have you guys seen that at all? That is insane. No, I haven't. It's it, it's pretty much impossible and it will never happen. But the amount of like like the amount of time that this guy must have spent to like figure this out. I'm gonna read it to you guys because he wrote it out. If the Blue Jays win two of three in New York. The Yankees get swept by Tampa Bay. Toronto goes one and two against Baltimore. The A's win two of three in Seattle and sweep Houston. The Mariners sweep the Angels and Boston somehow goes two for four. The AL wildcard will end in a five-way tie. That's a lot to digest. I know. I'm sorry. But I just thought that was crazy to think about. I love it. That's a great stat. I love stats like that. Does it say anything about which two? I wonder which two teams would get the we get the bid on that. I wonder how it's got to go head-to-head matchups, right? That would be... Oh, it would think I'll, so, I'll, yeah. I'll look I, it up right now. From what this says, I think it would be... Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. My brain hurt when I when I read it the other day, and it's kind of pounding right now reading it again. But yeah, my, I'm a little, my brain's a little jumbled right now. I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> but I think that's that's the beauty of having an additional wild card game, you know, and one, one day I'll go over my theory of what I, what I believe to be a wild card week and, you know, to add additional people and teams into the playoffs and make it kind of a college world series format, but that's something for another, another podcast, but you know, that's where you can really create, make this the season September kind of playoff baseball because everyone's fighting to get into these, these spots that only one team or two people can be in. Right. So, it's really, uh, at least for someone like me who is a baseball fan, I really enjoy that because you're going to get the average fans coming in for the playoffs, you know, who are Yankees fans and things like that when, once they're on all on national TV and on Fox and all this other stuff. So it's it's that time of year. This is one of my favorite times of year because football's obviously getting going. But honestly, it's really because the Yankees are usually in the playoffs and just, you know, ba- ba- playoff baseball is just, I'm I'm loving it, man. I'm really excited about this next couple this uh this next month. I know, so I'm I'm reading here on MLB. So I know this is talking about a three or four way tie. And if that's the case, if three or four teams tied uh for the division lead or the wild card lead, A and B winners will host C and D winners. So it'd almost be like a little, it would almost be just adding another team and another extra game to the wild card. So it would be A and B, and the winner of that plays the winner of C and D. I don't know how it would work with five teams, though. Maybe I would assume it would have to be the the best record would get a bye, and then they would play the winner of winner of A and B, C and D. I'm gonna have that, I'll find yeah, that. that sounds about right. those rules play out. <laughs> I like, I'll, I'll write that down because I know, I know listeners get excited when you have weird scenarios like that and they want to hear the answer. So I, I will find that out before next week. What happens if there's a five-way tie? That'd be nuts. <laughs> yeah. So, 
So yeah, going going back to the Yanks, I mean, I loved I loved the way they played on Friday. You know, Cole pitched well, and then Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, and Chad Green uh, come in combined for two hits, two walks, three strikeouts, and three innings. And the Yankees win eight three. Saturday they they play a guy, and I loved it. You know, it's Nestor Cortez. I, did you guys hear that stat? I thought that was interesting. That Nestor Cortez is the first Cuban-born starter for the Yankees since Orlando El Duque Hernandez oh, in 2004. Nice. What are you guys thinking, Cortez? Man, he's. I think he's. He's a competitor, man. I love that, man. I love that about him. He looks like he should let up 12 runs a game. Yeah, Just the way he I mean, pitches. I mean, it's low very, very fastball, off-speed. Different, yeah, different arm angles. It's like he's just he's a pitcher. He's just trying to find ways to get you out, and that's that's what I love about it. You know, it's like the you know. modern day Glavin and Maddox with his style of pitching. I'm obviously not comparing him to those two, but you know, Hall of Fame pitchers. But he just like you said, he just he finds ways. He, he hits his mark, and he just he pitches. pitches well enough for the Yankees to win. You hear about the turtle? The I'm turtle. They're talking about giving. They're talking about giving him a, a ring if they win. What's what's the name of the turtle? Bronxy. Yeah, Bronxy. Oh, okay. Bronxy the turtle. That's the that's gotta be the Yankee Max. Yeah, you just, know what? That's just a that's just a merchandising gold mine right there. They can just get little stuffed animals of Bronxy. It's the it's the season of the animals. Obviously, they had the, the cat run around the field a, a few weeks ago and mm. and they won and now they got now they got Bronxy on their side. they 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 know how to talk to them. They know how to talk to the animals. That's funny. That's funny. But yeah, that's some good. I mean, they haven't lost since, right? So since they got it, but I think it's just a. Uh, I'm curious. I'm curious who they're they're gonna their go to starters. Who, who what it looks like after Garrett Cole? Who do you guys think in terms of their starting pitching? Say they're they're three. Who two more? You know, because you, you need kind of need four starters, right? But who do you guys think after I Cole? Who are the three guys? Cole Tyon. Montgomery and I would almost just have to say the way he's pitched, I think you have to go Cortez in that four spot. Not to be a bummer on anyone's parade, but uh Tyone got taken out uh, after re-aggravating his ankle injury. So we'll see how we'll see what happens. I immediately take that statement back then. <laughs> Literally so, he he was out in like the second or third inning while they, they took him out because he came down on it weird. Oh boy. Well, hey, you know, I would I would say someone like Severino, but I know he's he's more gonna be that couple of guys out of the bullpen. I like where he what that looks like. Um come playoff time because he he's looking good too. And he, he seems like as the playoffs go, he's he's getting ready to go and he's playing he's pitching in these big moments. And I think we're just throwing him right in. And I mean it, we gotta remember this guy's young, man. He's young and hopefully, you know. He'll he'll be able to impact us um, in some in some of these playoff games because I'm I'm hoping we get there, especially in these games. I'm considering these this next week playoff games, these next six games. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see. I know it's showing on their depth chart that uh, Corey Kluber is no longer injured, so that could be another possibility of a starter there. You know, you got you got Garrett Cole, Kluber, Montgomery. Austin just said the tie-on re-aggravated, so obviously he wouldn't be there. Domingo Herman, Nestor Cortez, and Luis Hill, but Hill's in the minor leagues. That's how I pronounce it. I know people pronounce it different ways. It's spelled G-I-L. I think it's Luis Hill. Kind of just roll into it, but yeah, do you do you take 
do you take Severino and do you put him in that first spot after the starting pitcher role? Because I think he looked amazing there when he came in. I, I think it depends. You know, if you got a pitcher that are going to go four innings and then you got Severino can go five and six, you know, or something like that, give, give them a couple innings. I don't know. I mean, he could probably stretch to a third inning, I, I would think, but because he is, you know, per, you know, a starting pitcher, but who knows? You know, I, I, I can see him in that, yeah, that middle part or even you know, the, to get the Chad Green, that Chad Green can get the Chapman, and that's the uh, that's the formula. That's the perfect scenario right there. I mean, it's, still, it's great because there's – keep going. He's still sort of like uh... – I mean, he's still sort of a liability, I feel, Severino. I mean, at least in the starting role, you know. I mean, obviously, this oh, yeah, late in the game, this this late in the game, they can't they can't really do much with them there now that they've already sort of established their their like their guys at like what we're sort of talking about right now. But I think, like like Papso said, I think he looked or sorry, you said Bruno, that he looked really good coming out of the bullpen, you know, in those in that short two inning, two two inning, two yeah. three inning stint yeah. that he had, you know. Yeah, and I think they got a be careful how they use him and when they use him because they don't want to just put him in a situation where there's no outs guy on first and second and you're breaking him in the game. He's not coming in the game in the middle of an inning. You know, he's going to come in at the start of a new inning. It's going to be sort of structured. You know, he's let, let him do his thing, but they're going to be careful with him. And you got to, you can't mess with his confidence mentally either. You know, he, you want to put him in a situation where um, you want to set them. You, you want to set them up for success and, and put them in right in the best situation. So I don't think they're gonna have him come. You know, come in big moments unless it's something. Maybe as you get deeper into the playoffs and he establishes himself and and he, you know, we know what we got with him and that's all we got at that time. You know, so that's you never know what uh, a long postseason run will bring. But I think initially they gotta they gotta start there and take that approach with him. But I still think he can contribute. Um, but yeah, it's really going to be up to Chad Green and, and Chapman to do their thing, and um, and hopefully we we can get at least at least five innings. For, you know, out of most of our starters, you know, Cole can kind of go a little bit more and extend it a little bit, but we got to get five innings out of these starters and at minimum. And I think the bullpen can can bring it home. You know, different ways to get different different arms to use, different angles, different 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 uh views, as they say. Can we trust yeah, they, Chapman? Do you think? Dude. Oh no, but that's all we got right now. That's we're, we're they're not going to not have him be the closer. What do you? I mean, what do, I propose this to to a couple of my buddies who are diehard fans too. Why not put Chad Green there as the closer? Because he has not been successful. He said he's blown some saves. Less than less than Chapman though, man. I I, right. oh, I feel more confident. I mean. Just, just off the eye test, I feel more confident when Chad Green steps on the mound than I do when Chapman steps on the mound. Hey, Chapman still has thirty saves, guys. I mean, but I understand the postseason and last couple of postseasons. If right, it's been the last couple of postseasons. He's kind of ended the season for us, you know. Yeah, he's, um, he's third in the AL um, in saves this year. Behind, I have those two names down here. He's behind Rosella Iglesias and Liam Hendricks lead the AL. Yeah, so he's third in the he's third in the league in and saves and it's a down year that's not too bad you know he i think we understand that most teams would want someone like him i think it's mental for him because physically he's a specimen Um, i don't know if you guys follow him on instagram his workouts are insane they're insane his leg the leg workouts just the the hips and oh it's just great just it's a he's he's a big guy too but 
he's just got to be able to he's got to slow it down because he he has so much power and so much power in his in his lower half and effortlessly he can throw a hundred. You just got to make sure you know, if it's going right down the pipe, it's gonna be easy to hit. But he's got to make sure he's put, putting th- putting the ball in the right spot. So yeah. No, Chap- Chapman scares me every time he's on the mound. But like you said, he, he's a physical freak. He's got the tools. He throws throws over 100 miles an hour when he rears back. And I'm I, I like all their all their bridge guys that lead up to Chapman. You know, when you're when you're talking about having Severino, and now you have guys who come in in big spots and 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 done well enough to bridge it, like Clay Holmes and Lucas Lickie, Wandy Peralta. Those guys, Chad Green, and then you go into Chapman. Michael King had a nice outing the other day too. I was I was very pleased with the way he pitched when he came in, and you know they they played the Red Sox this weekend, and you know it was the exact formula of how to win. They scored 19 runs, only allowed nine, and the besides the starting pitchers, the all relief pitchers combined only let up one run. So Lee, I was going on Saturday after Nestor Cortez, Michael King, Lucas Litke, and Severino. Combined for two hits, zero on runs, zero walks, six Ks. And then Sunday you had Mike Montgomery starting five innings, seven hits, one earned run, four strikeouts. That was that was a gutsy performance for him, only to let up one run after allowing those seven hits. But then Clay Holmes, Jolie Rodriguez, Chad Green, and Chapman combined for four innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, run, right? One earned run, one walk, and seven like- strikeouts. And Chapman was the ninth inning solo home run. I mean, if you're going to give up a home run, make sure there's no one on base. I guess that's enough. But, like, goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got the hits and the runs. Yeah. I mean, uh, score 19 and your opponent scored nine in a three-game series, you're going to win most of those games. They, they dominate the Red Sox. That's why if they play them again and it's in Yankee Stadium, they're going to dominate them again. So, it's just – it's tough being a Red Sox fan, just like it's tough being a Giants fan right now. It's, you know, it's really that – in that point. But – yeah. Man, what a what a weekend it was, and I think this weekend, this week, in the closeout of the season, is going to be pretty pretty special for the Yankees. Just to give a little week preview, um, obviously we know that the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays right now, and then they finish off versus the Rays. Uh, the Sox, the Red Sox are currently playing the Orioles, finish off against the Nationals, and the Blue Jays obviously now are playing the Yankees, and then finish off with the Orioles. So the Red Sox. And the or, or the Red Sox and Blue Jays both had three game series against the Orioles this upcoming week, so we cannot let off the gas whatsoever. The they are right there in the rear view, and you slip up for a few games, and it's you're you're looking at needing to win against the Rays. So we need to stay strong against the Blue Jays. If we get three wins, we're automatically in. If we get two out of three, I think you're most likely safe. Also, just so you guys know, right now, um, wait. Yeah, right now, uh, Baltimore is winning 4-2, top going into the ninth. Against the Red Sox? Huge. Oh, no, what actually, is- actually, no, Baltimore just won 4-2 against the Red Sox. Hell what yeah. just happened? Because I looked that up not too long ago just to see what was going on in the game, and they were down, I believe, 2 nothing. Yeah, the Yankees are up, man. They get another game, man. They're sitting pretty. I got to see what happened in that game. That's... Yeah, they scored. They scored three in the sixth and and one in the eighth. Wow, awesome, awesome. Thank so, you, Baltimore. Thank you. Right, we couldn't. We can't beat you, but can you just beat the guys we need you to beat? Take care of us. Help us out. <laughs> exactly. 
So let's let's look at here, boys. So like we said um, last week, last week we had our first first appearance of primetime picks, and I got a I got a win on the Monday night game, Cowboys Eagles. Uh, Austin got a win, Packers or 49ers, and Bruno took one loss in calling Texans over Panthers. So that puts the season tally at Matt's two and three, Bruno's two and three, Austin's three and two. So this week we're all going to rotate one game. So that means I'm starting on a Thursday night game. I still have not made my decision on this. Jags at Bengals, Bengals minus 7.5. It's like the, which do you take the lesser of two evils? I don't know. Do I want to give the, the Jags pretty much eight points against the Bengals? I don't know. I'm going to go. The Jags think, stink. They do. Seven and a half is a lot. I mean, the Bengals are the Bengals eight points better. I'm going to go. I think Joe Burrow does enough and it puts his team in position. Just like you said, the Jags stink. I haven't loved the way Trevor Lawrence looked. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals at home. Get the crowd wild for a big win. Minus seven, five Bengals. Wow. So then that would mean I move to Thursday. Bruno moves to the Sunday night game. And that would be the game we were speaking about earlier. Unless, oh, I don't want to throw it off. I just know that's Austin's team. Well, he can't pick because that's nope, not going to be. Nope. Yeah, we got to rotate. <laughs> gotta rotate. We got to rotate. So Sunday night, Bruno's got the Buccaneers minus 6.5 against and at the Patriots. What are your thoughts? So this is a touchdown. And, if, and if, yeah. I, I think any NFL fan who knows football more than I do, I'm, I'm not, you know, no, I don't know everything about the NFL, but I know who Tom Brady is. I know that Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl last year. And I think they are a touchdown better than the Patriots. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm more curious about the storyline of him coming back to his home hometown. It's going to be a great thing. And I just, I can speak this way about Tom Brady because we got two Super Bowls from him. So that's why I'm kind of in, you know, okay to speak on it and respect Tom Brady because he's got to respect – he's got to put respect in the Giants' name as well. But I'm going to go with uh, – um, in this case, I'm going with uh, Tom, but just with a different uniform this time. Tampa Bay. Bucks minus 6-5. Got it. And then the Monday night game. Sorry, Austin. Austin we got Raiders – at Chargers, there's minus 3.5. AFC Championships, baby. Raiders. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Looking pretty good, my picks. Raiders at Chargers. Chargers minus 3.5. Man. I think this is such there you go. Um, I mean, obviously, Raiders having a lights-out start to the season, their best start since 2000. Two, I believe it is. Um, but then, I mean, they're playing the Chargers. Justin Herbert's been, I mean, being, I don't, I don't even know the word. He's been being a very valuable asset to the Chargers so far this year. Um, both are coming off of an okay week three games. <sighs> is that San Diego? Or at- That's San Diego. At San Diego. Oh, no, at, is it San at, Diego? 
at LA. Let's, oh my! Let's get God. it going. Here. Let's get it going, boys. Here it's it's 2021. Let's step it up. All right, so they're at LA. Yes, this is first game ever. Well, no, that was last week. Oh, that was yeah. So the Chargers. I'd, I'd pick them to win if they still have Ladanian Tomlinson, but they're not the San Diego Chargers anymore. Chargers, are, <laughs> they're they're not bad, but you know, no one believes in David Carr. Okay. All right, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Raiders plus three point five. Wow, I did not see that on the AFC Championship train. I love it. No, I'm definitely not hopping on that train. That's a train of hey, that's a train of delusion. Thursday night football. I think it's Cleveland next. Is this coming? But who's this Thursday? This Thursday, my game was Jags at Bengals. I think uh, I have to check the schedule. Cleveland's one of these primetime picks, so they'll be on the primetime picks eventually. Hey, I I just wanted to put a little. Everyone's gonna get the mojo. Sorry, Oscar. Sorry, Bruno, for. I'm just. I just wanted to put a little context um, on Bronxy, the turtle. So the Yankees wanted a pet, and Nestor Cortez convinced uh, management and the players to get a turtle before their win streak started. It is said that it roams the clubhouse or spends time in a tank labeled Bronxy the turtle. DJ loves him and stares at him a lot. And Guardian's quote said, "It would be great if we got him a little World Series ring." So, Broxy the Turtle. And uh, I think for us, that wraps up the episode. And like I like to say every week, I just really appreciate everyone that tunes in and listens to us come on and talk sports and have fun. And I, I hope everyone appreciates it. We're going to start setting up uh, social media. So, if you guys have questions, we're going to try to I think in the future, we're going to try to work some questions in, possibly some calls. So if anyone wants to call in, anyone wants to give a question or a topic for us to talk about or answer, we'll have uh, a little more information on that. I know we have uh, Instagram and a Twitter set up now. You guys want to say those handles? Yeah, it's just New York Sport of Mind spelled out uh, for Instagram. And on Twitter, it is, I mean, you're going to type in New York Sport of Mind podcast, uh, but the Twitter handle is at NYSM underscore podcast. Love it. We'll have uh, we'll have Facebook going here too, so you guys will be able to reach out on all platforms. And again, thanks for tuning in and listening. And uh, look forward to talk with you guys next week. I'd like to say one thing before we do wrap up. Uh, we, as of right now, total between the last two episodes, we've reached a hundred plays. Awesome! Not Thank bad. you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Big claps. And also, Papsel brought this to our attention last week. We have a listener in Germany. So whoever you are, whoever you are in Germany, hey, we appreciate the fuck out of you. Tell your friends. International love. International love. I love it. Keep keep the plays coming from Germany and and spread the love worldwide, guys.